What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the podcast, Off the Track. Joined by a very special guest today. Please welcome Sean Rowe. (laughs) 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 Thanks for coming on, man. No dramas, man. Thanks for having me. No worries. How's it going, anyway? What are you up to? Pretty good. Uh, Crazy weekend. And not doing much, really. How's retirement? (laughs) Time is good, man. Retirement was hard. Uh, It was definitely... Definitely difficult to transition out of sport, but um, I'm in a good place now. So it probably took maybe 18 months, two years to kind of find my feet and get back onto the the right path. And yeah, yeah, it's good. Before we get into retirement, let's uh, let's take it back to the junior years. Where'd you start your running career? Uh, I started my athletics at primary school. Um, I had a really good. PE teacher called Miss Wall that introduced me to like every kind of sport uh, that was on offer. Um, and yeah, just did athletics at primary school, got progressively better. Uh, I wasn't like the, the best athlete at, at primary school. Uh, yeah. And then just went, yeah, and no, just no, w- worked my way through it. Yeah. yeah, yeah what other sports did you play? Uh, AFL. So I grew up in oh. Melbourne. So AFL was a big sport for me. Melbourne, yeah. Yeah. That's the same as like Brazil. Oh, what you play? Soccer. Soccer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, so was it? Were you always good at the four hundred, or did you do any other events? Or? Nah, I started off doing one hundred, two hundred, and then like anything, I think there was a guy called Usain Bolt that was running on the scene, and uh, <laughs> I just learnt very quickly I wasn't going to beat him, so I just stepped up to the four hundred. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. When did you make that transition? Uh, I reckon I would have been about 15, 16 when I made that, made that transition. I, I ran my first 400 at, um, all schools and I had to run a four by four as a 100, 200 runner. I had no idea how to run it. And I just remember that, uh, a guy called Kyle, oh, what's his last name? Kyle was just like, just take it out slow and just make sure you don't die for the last 200. And I was like, okay, cool. That makes sense. So I was like jogging really slowly. <laughs> And then just use my speed towards the back end. And they were like, yeah, that's probably not the right way to run it. But anyway, <laughs> it worked. That's mad. So were you any good at the 100 and 200? What were your times around that age? Uh, I wouldn't know around about that age because you, you kind of forget them. I think like at, during that time, I was probably 11 flat or 11 low. Um, yeah. I think my best 100 time was 10.5. Best 200 was 20.5. Nine seven or something like that. This is lifetime best, right? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah cool. <laughs> not, at, not at 15. That's me, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that's awesome, man. So, when uh, did you really start to excel? Like 16, you made that transition to 400. Yeah, I think 16. Well, at 15, I broke my arm playing AFL, so junior footy, broke my arm, compound fracture in my arm, it was like hanging in an L shape. Um, and then I got bolts put in and was in a cast. And then during that period at like 15, 16, cause my cast was like an L shape and I couldn't play any contact sport. I just kept running with my like running coach. And then obviously got really, really good at it. And then also I think at that same age, uh, realized that athletics was both male and female sport. So it kind of was a nice little introductory to you know, meeting, yeah. <laughs> meeting girls. I knew he was going there. And, and then, yeah, just progress, progressively got better. Yeah, from there. Oh. Yeah. So, when was your big, like, your first big win that you had? Uh, would have been that. Um, I think towards the last. Oh man, you really kind of digging my memory there. <laughs> I reckon. Come on, mate. You know that an old. All, there's an all schools in Tassie that I won the. 400 in lane one and that was Ooh. kind of pretty big for me was that, like, was that what, like a state or just like casual like event? it was a nationals it oh, was nationals. a nationals and I, yeah i won it in lane one which kind of put me in a position to kind of progressively get a lot better and better um yeah i ended up going to juniors in 04 2004 and i was 19 when i went to that juniors oh, and had finished school and then See? from there i progressed and went uh, into seniors and whatnot. Yeah, how'd you go at juniors? Came sixth or seventh. Oh, wow. Uh, 
and then the winner of my juniors was LaShawn Merritt. So, oh, that's <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, it was a pretty solid juniors. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, and our four by four came like seventh or sixth or seventh or something like that as well. So, but we had a that's pretty. All right. You got payback in the four by four later on, didn't you? Sure. Yeah. Eventually. <laughs> uh, yeah. It wasn't too bad. But it was a pretty crazy juniors. Like it was fun. Like I loved it. Do you remember what time you got or? 46.8 so i went from like 47 Jesus. i think i was like 47.3 or something at that that season and then at juniors i ran 46.8 I, I ran 46.8 and 46.84 in the final or something yeah so how, how did you find the transition from a junior athlete to a senior athlete because we've had a few guests in the past say it's a very difficult transition but Dude, you're running yeah, six. Yeah, hundred percent. It was a yeah, it was a super difficult because like as a junior, you're kind of still a kid, and then pretty much after under twenties, you go into senior, and you're still not developed yet. Yeah, as, you know, like an like an adult. Um, and I had a junior coach, so I had a pretty like a phenomenal junior coach that got me up to that level, and we did we did one more season together where I uh, changed. Like I, he didn't do my strength and conditioning, but he made I like focused on my track track work. Yeah. And then after that season, I ran something similar, and I realized that I wasn't going to make it with him, because uh, he like he just wasn't equipped to to be able to get me to where I wanted to get to. And then I moved across and changed to a senior coach. Did uh, Did he accept that? Him. Like very normal or? You no, that was hard, man. Yeah, really? Yeah, that was super hard. Yeah, well, it was like breaking up with someone. <laughs> yeah, like, like, seriously, it was really hard. Yeah, I know it's hard. Like, sometimes I just, I just think that some coaches need to understand that you can't, not coach, just people in general. You can't be too good at everything. You got to, like, yeah. recognize that, okay, my place is this. Like, I'm a really good uh, preparing athletes until they get to the seniors. And that's it. Yep. And after yep. seniors, it's a whole different, like, the athlete is different. Their bodies are different. Uh, you know, like, it's everything different. You can't treat, like, an uh, adult like a child or vice yeah. versa. So, yeah. So, when, I agree. Did, when did you make your first uh, international team uh, post juniors? So, the next goal was so juniors was in 04 the next goal was 2006 melbourne had the commonwealth Games. so mm -hmm. a big goal for me being a melbourne boy was to obviously represent your country in your home uh, home state yep. um and our goal for that one was just to make the relay team but that before i was getting ready for that that was the first time that was the first year that i moved to my new coach and mm. was doing everything like a like an adult training like an adult pretty much went into kind of beast mode <laughs> and i think from that year uh, my pb was 46.8 kind of similar or pr probably what i ran at world juniors and then i think that year i, I ran 45 uh, 35 or something <laughs> one shit. year difference and that was <laughs> yeah and that was in one, like one race i went 46.8 and i went like a 46.5 and then I remember it was a Canberra Track Classic and I ended up coming second and I think I ran 45-35 or something. And I was, yeah, like I was a bit sick, so I had to taper my training. But then what happened is because I tapered it too early, it just resulted that uh, by by the time Tom Games rolled around, I was um, yeah too cooked. I had nothing in the tank left. Mm. Far out, man. That's a big jump in yeah. times. Like, yeah, just what what click. what do you think was the 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 most effective thing that you changed in your training? Well, I was just tra training like a like an adult, like training like a professional athlete. So, you, uh, like, like I was teammates? doing a lot of strength. Pardon? Did teammates like? Did you go like better teammates? Like training training teammates? Yeah, like know? we we had a like a I had a squad that was you know a bit more of an adult squad. They were still all my buddies. Um, but it was just the workload. I put like a shit ton of work into my body and my body was holding up and kind of accepting a lot of the work and uh, accepting a lot of the work or sometimes my body would just cramp and then I couldn't do the rest of the session. But that was my body saying, hey, you're not, you're not ready to do the, the workload that you need to get done. 
Yeah. Uh, but then eventually, you know, as you kind of stick at it, yeah. your body just adapts and you kind of get used yeah. to it. That's it. So but, you, you were going to say something about the difference in strength training? Yeah, so, well, I mean, the big transition for me as a junior was I, I changed from a kid and I turned into a man, right? So, you know, I was doing proper weight training. I was sizing up, um, you know, I was starting to get power in the legs. I reckon the first two years of chat transitioning from like a junior to a senior, I was training my body to be able to train like a elite 400 meter runner. So there was a couple of years of laying the foundations and making sure that the body was able to do the workload that is necessary to train and run like a 44 second or a 43 second 400 meter runner. Um, and at the beginning, I didn't have those foundations and I was cramping and I was kind of struggling to kind of get things done. But I, there was, I guess, a tipping point where I, I could handle the load and I could kind of do whatever is necessary to kind of get things done, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Yeah. Like, you, <laughs> like, um, I don't know even how to say that, but like, it's totally like it's totally different when you I, I think even the just the energy around like uh, when you're training with adults and like the the feeling the vibe is very different and it, every, every everybody's on that the killer mode because no one no one has time to lose anymore you're not like kid mm. anymore you're just like bro every day counts and just <laughs> just yeah. going for it <laughs> that's mad so after 2006 you were unlucky there any what happened after that so 2006 so disappointing commonwealth games i, I think i made the semis uh i was the, i was in the relay team and i i got dropped from the heats and then in the final the the boys went on to win the gold now i still won a gold because i kind of got the team there but my gold medal was given to me uh, underground in the in the car park at the MCG, handed to me in like this black little box, um, and just was just passed to me. I didn't get to stand on the dais. I didn't get to sing yeah. the national anthem. I didn't get to do any of that in front of my, my hometown or my friends, and so super upsetting and negative and kind of a, a, a shit spot to be. And so after that, I was like, there was no way I want to be in a position that I kind of felt like. I could get dropped again in a team. So in 07, I ended up at world champs. We yeah, made the semifinal for that. And then our four by four, by four made the final again. Uh, and I was in it, which was good. Uh, that year also went, uh, won world, world university games for, for the four. So that was a really good year. And then obviously 2008 was uh, Beijing Olympics. So from that kind of one moment, I just was like, nah, it's never going to happen again. And just progressively kind of consistently was making it to all the majors. So how old were you in two, uh, 2006? Because you said you were... 20, 21. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fucking hell. What were you doing at uni? So I, might, uh, I was studying business Japanese. Daniel's got some Japanese in him. <laughs> His mum's Japanese. Yeah? yeah, yeah. I lived in Japan you for three years. Yeah. Oh, cool. Are you? Can you? Are you half Japanese? Yeah, like I'm third generation Japanese. So yeah, my my grandma born in Japan, but she moved out to Brazil when she was young. Then my yeah. mom born in Brazil. Then I born in Brazil too. But I lived in Japan when I was a kid, like from eight to eleven. So I kind of oh, cool. got alphabetized in Japanese. Like I can read. I can. Her, like listen and understand i can you i could talk better but now it just like kind of forgot <laughs> forgot a little bit but like i can understand everything like, barely speak english yeah. nah. <laughs> if i That's go so to japan cool. if i go to japan and stay like for a, a week or two I think I can like yeah. came back. Sean, like, Sean's yeah. got Japanese in him as well. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. yeah, I'm half Japanese as well, so I can speak it a lot better than my reading and writing. So oh. if you can read and write, then you, yeah, I reckon you're doing way better than me because speaking's easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can even like yeah. I watch I watch like animes and like without like subtitles and everything. That's fine. Like, people just get crazy like. How'd you do that? I was like, yeah, I've lived in three years. <laughs> kind of raised with that. <laughs> it's normal. So then, so technically the languages you would know would be Japanese. 
Uh, yeah, uh, and actually Portuguese because I'm from Brazil. Portuguese yeah. from Brazil, and then and I learned yeah, I learned Japanese when I went to to Japan. And over in Japan, I had some kind of some English classes, but the Japanese English is very bad. Like they even call <laughs> they they didn't call like English; they call Ingurishu. <laughs> yeah, <that's so> <laughs> and like I had some classes over there. Like when I came back to Brazil. I like um I had some Japanese classes to just to keep up and I was like nah dad like I want to do like English classes I want to like learn a little bit better and like cuz I was already st- like studying by myself and I was like cool. yeah probably I need to get like English and that I start start studying English and it's how I can speak now really? <laughs> Barely. <laughs> 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 yeah Oh, sorry, we got a bit off track there, mate. Let's yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's keep following All the good. timeline. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, that's good. So like, oh, so you went to 2008, 2008 yeah, Beijing. Beijing. You were 22, 23. Uh, by then, I reckon it was 23. Yeah. So you were in uni yet? Yeah, still at uni. Oh, my gosh. Man, that's great. Yeah, so, so uh, yeah, I think I deferred in 06 for a year because the first year of uni I was doing awful. I think I finished, I uh, like was failed more than three quarters of the course. Yeah. And they're like, the university dean was like, hey, you've got to, like, we're going to kick you out. You know, you're hopeless. But then fortunate, fortunately, the VIS and their kind of education program, like we went in there together and they, they, they explained and they, looked, they said, look, Sean's not just... He's good. He's just back him. He's just a bit busy with running and training and doing whatever he needs to do off the track. So we came out, came up with a game plan that allowed me to kind of do a couple of subjects and kind of kept kept me going yeah. and not have to do a full load. And yeah, I'm thankful for the support that they kind of gave me. Ah, uh, you study here in Australia, not like in America or yeah, something like I that. S- yeah, I studied in Melbourne. Um, I had the opportunity to go to college in the States after World Juniors. Yeah, that's, that, yeah that's what I was going to say. Like, you probably got some offers, right? Yeah, I, Texas Tech reached out to me. Uh, and so, but at the time, they had like the only, they only had like a 50 second 400 runner or like maybe a 48 second uh, 400 runner. They were runner. probably building their track team because now their track team so, is really good. <laughs> yeah, their track team is really good. They had a r- wicked 800 meter runner. Um, and so, and that was one offer. And so what I did is I was like, oh, maybe if that's one college, maybe I'll just email all of them. So I just like, did a Google, started emailing all of them. And then sure enough, every, every college that I emailed came and sent me a booklet, like posted me a booklet and said, hey, we'll give you a full ride. But prior to that, like, so I was kind of thinking about going to college because obviously I was with my junior coach then. Yeah. Then... I thought I really have to weigh up Commonwealth Games being held in Melbourne and whether the college was going to allow me to come back for that. And I wasn't guaranteed that um, that commitment because obviously when you sign that the college papers and you go to college, yeah, NCAA, you're the college program. yeah, yeah, you're you're, you you're their you're, you're their product, so you kind of can't do anything. So I decided not to do college, but yeah, it would have been interesting if I would have made it going down the college route or would I have just stayed at college and get, got a free ride? I don't know. So that was like the major like decision, decision point, like, or like you choosing track over going to America to study. No, it wasn't like I, I, so if I was picking a college to go over to America, I would have picked a college that had a good track program. Yep. I wasn't like for education, but when I sat down, so what, when I sat, sat down with my current coach, uh, he sat me down and he's like, look, you haven't explored every single option in Australia. You, you, you live in Melbourne. And at the time in Sydney, there was a coach called Michael Kamel, a Russian coach. And he had all of the top 400 meter Aussie athletes. He had Casey Vincent, Patrick Dwyer, John Stephenson, Clinton Hill, so my coach, who was the VIS head coach at the time, uh, he said to me, look, you haven't even considered going to Sydney. Why would you ship, like, why would you not Go check out what's happening in your, like, like in your own backyard and see whether you can kind of get it done here than going over to college? Um, so I ended up staying here, but I ended up just 
staying with him because he was already writing my strength and conditioning program and I've been working with him and I knew what he was trying to achieve. And yeah, I think it worked out well. Can we dive into a bit of strength and conditioning training? Yeah, go for Let's it. Talk about that, bro. So what, what were some of the main things you were focusing on? Well, a lot of lifts, like we would lift a lot. So cleans were just the necessary thing. Um, yeah, just kind of building the beast essentially. So what I noticed is I, I, like as an athlete, I'm like a 400 has got a power element to it. So if I was lifting quite strong and I was quite powerful, um, yeah, I'd perform quite well on the track. The, the thing is like at the heaviest, like in my general prep phase, I got up to my heaviest weight I got up to was about 80 kilos, but then went my best, my race weight was 73 kilos. Oh, oh shit. Um, how tall are so, you? Sorry. How, uh, six foot, 185. Oh. So I was super like, I mean, when, when you saw some of my racing photos, a lot of people were like, mate, you look like you needed a feed. Like there was something <laughs> wrong with you. Like all the like jaundice, like you could probably see my skull. Like it was oh. just like, but I was, I was, I was ready. Like I was yeah. ripped super fast like strong as an ox, you know, at that, like I could probably clean at that point. What was my max clean? I think 110 or 115 was one rep max. So, That's heavy, bro. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but you just, I mean, 400s is one of those events where if you do the work, if you've got a little bit of talent, you're going to be able to do amazing things. So what we noticed uh, especially at that elite level, there was athletes or Caribbean athletes or Jamaican athletes that were way more talented than me, like way quicker than me. And probably at a Grand Prix meet, that would beat me like nine times out of 10. But what, what we kind of tackled at a majors is there's rounds. So round one, or the heats are usually 9 a.m., one of the mornings. Then if you get through that round, it's like, the nighttime the following night. So if, you, if you're not ready to run at 9am on that morning, then you can catch yeah. people out. And what I was doing when I get into a village situation, I'm getting up at six, getting my body ready for a 9am run. So when 9am comes, you know, like I'm fast, I'm ready, I'm already switched on. And I would kind of, some of those Caribbean athletes would get beat and get knocked out in the heat. And that's the championships done. Like, yeah. Yeah, like uh, when you get to the world championships, uh, every, anything can happen. Like you, you, sometimes you see like world champions like getting knocked out on the heats, or yeah, yeah on the semifinals and things. So yeah, and crazy. and the reason being is it's an early morning, like it's an early morning heat. Like and if you don't, like if you're not ready to run at nine a.m. like or train your body to be ready to run at nine a.m. Like, it doesn't matter whether the semifinals, are, like, every, every, anyone can run well at night. You've got the whole day to get ready. Right? Yeah. But 9 a.m., you wake up, it's like going to work at 9 a.m. Not everyone's ready to get ready for work, you know? Like, it, you just got to be prepared for it. So yeah. that's what we kind of, everything was structured and we kind of perfected that. Awesome, man. So um, we, were, we got up to 2008, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go back to there. Uh, what happened in 2008? So 2008 went to Beijing Olympics, um, made the semi-final, um, and then our relay got, I, I can never re remember the relay ones. We got, I think, seventh or maybe sixth. But I, I think recently, probably about a couple of years back, we just found out we got uh, moved up a notch because uh, Russia got the done Russians, for drugs. Yeah. They were third, so they got done for drugs, so we went up another level Congrats, i can't remember man. what it is Congrats. <laughs> thanks man <laughs> yeah so yeah, we, did you have a similar team throughout those years yeah. yeah so 2006 i was the new kid on the block so i came on the back end of uh the silver bullets in 2004 olympics that won the four by four oh i came second in the four by four that was uh, epic. and so yeah it was an epic run so I was on the new kid on the block. Me and Joel Milburn were went uh, grew up in um, juniors together, uh, and then obviously in seniors we kind of competed against uh, each other. And then so from 08 till pretty much 
retirement, we were all running together. But uh, yeah, it was funny, our kind of year or our crew, like there were, we, uh, at our juniors, we had Joel Milburn, uh, Ben Offer and, and myself and all of us were kind of still competing at a pretty high elite level when we were adults. That's good company. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So well, it keeps, it keeps you on your toes, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. So what, anything happened in 2009? 09, I made world, uh, world Unis again and then also did World Champs in Berlin. And that's where we, I think my best individual 400 meter at a world's level, I got 13th. Mm. Um, and then our 4x4 won bronze, which was awesome. Oh, shit. Ooh. Nice. I'm always curious, to like when you go over to compete in Europe, do you stay there and travel a bit or? Yeah, it depends on what, what happens. Uh, Europe's Berlin, a pretty, it, yeah. Berlin's yeah. got a good night scene. Well, Berlin was fun. Right, but yeah, <laughs> you had to admit it. <laughs> yeah. So, but the thing is, I had to compete after Berlin as well. So, there's like after a majors, there's probably about three or four like other like diamond leagues or Meetings. meets that are going on. Mm. And I was like, I had nothing in the tank, but I still stayed in Europe and kept running. But like I'm like I was running 47 and a half seconds and coming dead last. Like I just had nothing, but I'm over there running and I'd earn, earn some cash. Cause that's what, what you do. You just try and make as much cash as you can. But I just felt like, like, like an imposter, like lane eight, coming last. I'm like, grab my spike bag. And I'm like, this is disappointing. Like this is, this is depressing. You know, so, like I, I, I was third in a four by four at world champs, like a couple of weeks back. And now I just can't come. <laughs> can't even break 50 seconds what's going on yeah so um oh shit oh, no, we got ha- some races yeah how did how'd you support yourself when you were running around europe and that like did you have a job back home or were you just trying to run yeah. full-time i had a so i had a part-time job yeah i, I always had part-time jobs um so what was it i think at the time I think at the time I was working at a video store for a period, like a video oh, shop. Remember those? Yeah. I don't know if your listeners will be like video know easy. what that is. Yeah, what a video is. Like a uh, blockbuster. So yeah, work, yeah. No, pretty much like blockbusters and stuff like that. So that's pretty weird. Uh, yeah, did that, and then I had like really good sponsors. Um, Asics was one of my major sponsors, and they looked after me. Uh, and then at this travel agency called Orient Express. Uh, which I don't know if they're around now, but they looked after me as well and paid me cash, which helps. Oh, that's awesome. Like, did you, like, your contract with ASICS was just, like, gear-based gear or was, like, salary-based? Like- no, salary-based. We locked into a contract in uh, 08, um, but then 08's a pretty interesting year to try and sign a deal. Um, the global financial crisis yeah. hit. So we, got, we, we were presented a four-year deal uh, with a pretty like a pretty generic base, but then some wicked um, bonuses. Um, yeah. Yeah, which it's was norm- good. yeah. Yeah. It's normally like that. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Did you have like others like sponsorships other than, than those or that was it? Uh, I did have like Oakley sunglasses and they gave me some product. Oh yeah. Um, the travel agent was kind of just gave me cash, which was good. Um, and then obviously government grants kind of step in and help out. And then working part time. Yeah, I did all right, Ruben. Two thousand eight Oakley was pretty, pretty big. Uh, like track, yeah. Like I think after like two thousand ten, like all the brands like Nike and Adidas started doing their own their own like, eyewear and mm. like sunglasses, and they kind of start yeah. chopping the athletes. Yeah. Uh, we made. Yeah, it. I mean Oakley was Oakley was clever. Like yeah. they, they, I mean at the Olympic Games, you could go to the Oakley, like go to the find the oakley rep and get free oakley and, and yeah. do, do different colors and stuff like that so similar to like uh, beats. beats by dr yeah. Gray in 2012 oh. they were off, they were offering free beats and so every athlete was cruising around with free beats like, i remember my, my friends in brazil like some athletes that i knew that went to 2012 and 2008 they come back with their bag full of beats full of oakley glasses <laughs> it's it's a weird like it's a weird it's like that though like yeah. it's Anything goes when when you're at Olympic Games. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so we've we made it to 2010. We have got a couple races 
that we're going to watch. Can you see? Oh, oh we'll turn yeah. it. We'll turn yeah, it. Turn, turn it so you can see. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to watch the relay first, or? I think it's yeah. up to you. I don't mind. There's a false start in this one, yeah, so you might have it's to. It's literally halfway. Go, go like three minutes <laughs> in. Yeah, more, more. That's the false start. There we go. Check out, check out the start, how slow the start is in the right. net. So this is 2010 um, 4x4 final. So this is Delhi. Man, that's a, a hectic yeah. camera. That's mad, eh? Oh. Who was the the um, opener? Joel? Joel, Joel Milburn. Joel Milburn. Yeah, turn it up there. Can you hear it, Sean? Yeah, okay. Oh, nice. Look at the technology, bro. Yeah, look, at this, bro. look at the studio. <laughs> it's got the Oakleys on. Yeah. Looks like Cyclops, eh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that's a very strong first leg. Yeah. Yeah, we rested Joel, so he, he didn't do anything in the heat. Oh my god. Sorry, so <laughs> Nowadays, this they, is like. Uh, Oh, yes, yeah, you can see. Sorry. Uh, this is Kevin Moore. He's 19 in this one. Oh, shit. 19? Yeah. So we had this, like, it was funny. So we had this rule, or like, that. the kit then was you could only have, a, like, a singlet or bike shorts and a singlet and running, like, running shorts, you know, like, splitties. Yeah. And <laughs> we had this rule that whoever, like, was the best 400-meter individual runner could decide which which kit to wear yeah um, kevin or the whole time was like oh sean please can we do split shorts and singlets split shorts and, uh, <laughs> no, can we do um bike shorts and singlets bike shorts and singlets and i was like nah man split shorts man there's, there's a way of the future uh, and so in the heat we ran in the split shorts and then in the final we um decided to put the Tights on. Yeah, nice. How good is this Jamaican dude? Ooh, he's he like, goes hard. Yeah, wait till, wait till the So, who's the third back. leg? So, this guy is Brendan Cole. He's oh, a, yeah. He used to be a four hurdler. That look, oh, the bear's on his back now. Ooh. Yeah, he's jocked out. He had a go, but good on him. But look at this man. Man, that's strong. I was gonna say that even the exchanging. He's gone. Look, Jamaica's <laughs> gone. Oh, Jamaica's mm, gone. He's gone. The exchanging on the battle is different Go from up. now. Oh, mate, how did this feel? In uh, front. Yeah, pretty crazy. In front, oh, the come-off games. Well, I kept, I kept saying to the boys, I was like, mate, just get me in front. Uh, just make my life a little bit easier. Put me in front. <laughs> I did a great job. <laughs> Yeah, man. I was going in your mind. Do you remember? Ah, uh, here. Yeah. Well, I just could hear footsteps. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's four guys yeah, four right behind you. But I just knew that. I just knew that they were, would have required a lot of energy to get past yeah. me. Oh man, that's a strong finish, man. Congrats, bro. Oh my god. Yes, man. That's a really strong finish. And so, uh, in the end of this, we uh, decided to play a game of cricket. <laughs> <laughs> you guys came with the celebration, man. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, look yeah, at that. So, like, I'm the badass, <laughs> Joel's the thing. Oh, that's great, man. Brenda, Brendan Cole's turning around to Kevin, uh, calling it out. But I got any... He does me for LVW. Uh. <laughs> what a joke. And uh, quite funnily enough, it Did was... Did you guys um, plan to do that or like... Yeah, it kind of <laughs> happened. We, we, we were fairly confident. Like, we uh. were fairly confident that we were going to win. We were thinking of all these different celebrations with the baton because we wanted to hold the baton. And then just being in India, uh, Ben Offerings um, actually came into... Because we were all in the same room together, or yeah. like the same apartment complex. He comes into our doors and room and goes, I got it. We got to play a game of cricket. And we were like, that is genius. India, <laughs> yeah. game of cricket. 
Like, and yeah. we got more questions about that than the actual race. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah, like oh questions God. like, oh, who's your favorite cricket player? Like, uh, <laughs> how do you feel about Australia? Because uh, Australia was actually playing India in some test somewhere. And they're like, oh, Australia's not losing. Like, it was just crazy. Oh, my God. The, the, the media, like, oh, got you guys, like, for That's sure. So yeah, they loved it. They loved it. That's awesome. So we got another race. Same meet. This is the 400 final. Three Aussies in this one, bro. Ooh. Yeah, so I How think... How good's that? Yeah, I think the last time was in the 70s. Oh. Wait, 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 sorry. It's too loud. There. What were you saying, man? The last time I think there was like three Aussies uh, in the Commonwealth Games final was in the 70s. Oh my God. Did they win that 4x4? Four four? Don't know. I'd have to actually go check the result. See, Sean's in the middle. Yeah. He's got the split pants in this one. <laughs> yes. 100%. I was rocking them all, uh, all Commonwealth Games. I thought that was great. <laughs> and then, like, my career kind of changed, really. I started bodysuit. And I don't know, as you get older, you like split shorts. <laughs> like, and then I probably went the bike shorts and singlet and then the split shorts. I was just like free as a bit. I could lift my knees with them, you know? Oh, 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 oh. Damn. That's a very strong finish. Oh. You're battling. Oh. Damn. That's crazy. 45, 45. They put the camera on the wrong person. Yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you know that you win or...? Uh, I think I, so what in that race, the one thing that I did remember is, um, the, I came off the curve. Yeah. The Bahamas was in front. The Kenya was on my inside and that, that he was in front. And I just remember there was a hole, which was my lane. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, and I was like, I just got to gas it and get through this hole. Yeah. This Commonwealth Games was, it was super weird in the sense that it was in, um, October. Uh, and originally I wasn't meant to be, I was only just going as a relay runner and John Stephenson pulled out uh, in the final hour. You're and so kidding. what happened is because I was already a relay runner, the Australian um, team was like, oh, well, if he's qualified as an individual spot, he had run the individual spot time, uh, we'll, we'll um, pop you in it. And so that year I didn't go to Europe. I just stayed like in Melbourne, did yeah. a whole winter because I was, getting ready for the, the following year because we had a disappointing summer and as a, as a result of trying to get ready for this. And so in six weeks, I had to change for like, I was doing a whole bunch of donkey work, you know, the classic just fitness kind of stuff, running up hills, no, like hardly any speed work. And then in six weeks time, my coach was like, okay, we're being selected. We're going to try and get you to ready to run like fast 400s. Uh, and it's a weird thing that happened at that championships. Like two things happened. A lot of the athletes that went across to Europe that particular year, it was the end of the, end of the season. They'd like cooked themselves and they'd just run out of steam. And then I was coming at the other end where I was like trying to peak myself up and try and get better. So naturally I'm a, I'm a 400 meter runner that likes to go out hard first, but in that championships, my game plan was go out relatively slow and conservative knowing that I had the strength to kind of come home. Uh, and then unfortunately in that final, I just like, I missed time. I dip. I like, yeah. out, like I dipped. Yeah. But if you see the sequence, I dipped probably one step too early. And then like, he just kind of outlunged me right at the end, which is kind of annoying. Oh yeah. Oh. But did you like, and then I, did, I, I did can you, claim that I'm the only 400, I'm the only 400 meter runner that's been out dipped by a Kenyan. Yeah. <laughs> like, did you think that you win or like that? Was it like a doubt on yourself? Like, I don't know. I moment? crossed the line and I like, You're I just hoping. had a gut feeling that I may have jagged it, but I just had no idea. Like, yeah. I still haven't seen the photo footage yet. So <sighs> I'd love to see the photo For finish. finish. Yeah. We can maybe dig that know. out. <laughs> yeah, that would be yeah, fun. Maybe. Oh my god! So, what'd you do after this meet? That was a really, really good meet. Yeah, it was a solid meet. Uh, 2011. Uh, what 
was that? That was world champs in, in Korea. How'd that perform? 11, yeah. Daegu. Yeah. Yep. 11 was Daegu. I think it's the same thing, semi-final. Uh, and then the 4x4, really can't remember that one. Yeah, that was Steve uh, was running already in Daegu. Yeah, yeah. Steve was running then. That's, that was Steve's kind of breakout year. Like, he kind of came out that year. And then, obviously, London was his big one. Um, and London, he killed it, which was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Were you yeah. in the relay team for around that 2012? Uh, I was selected, but then about six to eight weeks out, I got appendicitis and I had to take my appendix out. Oh, and then I had to prove fitness and I wasn't, like, yeah. I just couldn't do it. Like, I went under the knife and that was my season done. Yeah. And then 2012 was... Like that was disappointing, man. That was like a really hard knock. And then 2012, after that season, my coach sat me down. He's like, look, you've got to change the emphasis. Now you've got to think about career and life after sport. We can do the athletics, but you're going to work full time and start thinking about your life after sport. Man, that's so, great. That's really great. Like as a human being, he, he talked to you about this. I think that's good because sometimes we just get too focused on the track career and we just like, oh, you, you put your body to extreme and sometimes you just like fuck your whole life because you're just trying to trying to go through your dream. But I don't know, like sometimes you got to think on the future, like, oh, because well, the athlete's careers go like to the 30s. But after yeah. the 30s, you have more 50, 60 years of your life. What are you going to do with that? No, yeah. Right. So what we do? Yeah, it, it is it is good, but it is hard. Like it, yeah. it's, a, it's a hard p pill to swallow. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like, yeah, and I mean I'm eternally grateful now, but like back then at the time, yeah, hundred percent. At the time, you, you're like, man, I got. I what are you talking about? I yeah, I've yeah, <laughs> got some great years 100%. ahead of me. But when you like, when I look back at it, I'm like, it's probably the right decision, even though it was a hard decision. Uh, but the uh, we went around like so then I. So I was working full-time, was still doing the athletics. Uh, I was trying to get ready and get myself up for, uh, what was 12, 13? What was 2013? I don't kind of remember. I remember 14 was when I, I tried to go for uh, another round of it for 14, which was Glasgow. And then I was working full-time for a Japanese clothing label called Uniqlo. You would know this. Oh, yeah, I know that. Yeah, so as a grad position uh, to, to become a store manager. And then uh, at the time, they sent us over to Japan and uh, Singapore to learn everything, Uniqlo and stuff like that. And I was trying to do track at the same time. Couldn't do it. And in 2014 at Nationals, I ran, didn't make the final, ran 47 high or 47.8 or something. And then after that, my coach sat me down. He's like, mate, just take a month off. I was like, all right, cool, sounds good. And then he's like, called him back after a month. I'm like, hey, okay, cool, I'm ready to come back train. He's like, no, nah, just take one more month. I was like, okay, cool. Called him back after a month. And I, I knew that after this time, I was like, mate, I'm, I'm not coming back, am I? And he goes, <laughs> yeah, mate, you're done. And that was my end for track oh. and field pretty much. So he, so, so he ended up your career for you. Yeah, yes and no. Like, <laughs> I, I was done anyway, man. Like, to work full-time re in retail, on your feet. And at the time, I was doing, like, 60 to 80 hours, trying to get to a track after training, like, 6, 6.30 at night. Yeah. Melbourne, cold. Like, and, yeah, my quality of sessions weren't there. Like, I wasn't doing the times that I was needing to hit. Like, I knew I was done. Like, you, you, you know when you know. Like, yeah, yeah. It's just hard so, to accept. So how, oh, old were you? Yeah. how old were you there? Uh, 2014, 29. Oh, right, it's about that age. Yeah, right, right about the age. Yeah. But at least, so you, that was it. At least you had a pathway out. Yeah, I did. But it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't, Uniqlo wasn't the answer. Like after that, I had to soul search and figure out what the next game plan was. Like, I had so no idea. What was it? Yeah, what was it? Uh, well, hated Uniqlo. Uh, so I was doing working, but then just socializing and partying and, um, yeah, just wasn't looking after myself. Didn't do any sport. 
so that was the whole year. I think everybody had that moment. <laughs> yeah. 2014. And then in 15, 2015, I think I turned 30. And I was like, look, I want to get fit. I want to play a social sport and not just you know, do something. I'll go back to AFL because I loved playing AFL as a kid. I uh, did the preseason, joined a club. It was like, yeah, getting into it, getting around the boys. Um, was in like division four of like amateur <laughs> AFL. But that was fine. Like, yeah, I was loving it. it. You, you got to do it for fun. Yeah. Played a couple of practice matches. Uh, and then on my first match, finished the match. I ended up getting tackled pretty aggressively. Mm. Like arms up, dished out a hand, handball, crunched. Got up, winded. I was like, oh, this is maybe I've done my ribs. Got off, got on the bench. He's like, nah, you're good to go. Kept playing. And then that night, I ended up getting rushed to hospital because um, I'd ruptured my kidney and oh. had been bleeding all afternoon. Oh, and they operated on me and they were like, okay, yeah. You've, Why would you I've have to choose that. a contact sport? Like, won't you like, oh, I want to surf. I want to. Oz tag or something, man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, uh, yeah. As a as a result of that, I um, well, couldn't play the season, which is like, yeah, it's funny. Like two things happened to me in AFL that put me in a different path. First one is obviously put me on a track because I broke my arm, and then the second one was like, all right, I can't do um, AFL, so I'm just <laughs> do something else. Uh, but yeah, played Oztag and did all of that, and then ended up in Byron Bay. And my new addiction is surfing. Like I love it. Oh, oh, I hate that. I, I just nice. said that. Why don't you just choose surfing? Yeah. Yeah, man. I <laughs> love it, awesome. man. I'm up here surfing most days, which is good. That's awesome, awesome. man. So what are you doing for work now? Uh, I'm a mortgage broker. Got my own business. Um, yeah, so I've been now doing that for four years. And I probably, I think my target market, I specialize in helping millennials sort out their finance and kind of get everything sorted. I'd love to help a lot more athletes out if I could uh, and kind of get into that marketplace because I think there's a really good potential for helping out athletes mm. and just setting them up because I wish I wish I had a, the education that I had now when I was an athlete and I was earning cash because yeah. at, at that time I was only living at home. I was earning decent coin. I mean, at the end of it, I walked away with an investment property that I still own, uh, but the, I know I, I a shit ton of athletes will get that cash, but they don't know how to use it properly. So mm. it'd be cool to educate those guys. That's a good uh, good target market with all the government stimulus going around with the first home buyers. <laughs> oh, 100%. So, yeah. like, and money's cheap at the moment. It's a good time to buy if, you've, if, if you're in a position. Uh, and it, like my thought process now being in this game for a while, the dream of owning your own house it's not realistic for young people. Just rent where you want to live and invest where you can afford. That's and that, at least that way you've got a property that's getting paid out and it's earn, uh, like building wealth for you. Yeah. Uh, and you're just renting and living where you want to uh, live. So to yeah. give you an example, buying in Byron Bay is not going to happen for Good me. <laughs> properties, properties here are super expensive. So yeah, I think I'm, we're going to look to get a couple more investment properties underneath our belt. But that's that's really good advice for someone just starting out. Like you want to start off with a, just an investment property that's going to that's a really good investment that's going to grow in value over time and it's and it's pretty cheap to rent like and and you just rent somewhere that's 5 minutes from where you work and yeah. cuz yep. the bank's only going to give you so much debt based on your income. So you got to 100%. You want to get good debt. You don't want to get a yeah. house that's costing you double what the rent would cost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that's a and that's the thing that you don't get taught at school is like definitely not owning your own home and having a home loan is not good debt. Like that's debt that doesn't yeah. work for you. Whereas if you've got an investment property, that's a debt that works for you. It allows you to uh, minimize your taxable income. Mm -hmm. We're young. We've got about thirty to forty years of work maybe 50 years of work ahead of us because by then we'll probably be able to get replacement parts that are robotic or something. Yeah. You know, like, so and it's, unfortunately, you want to make sure you set yourself up. Unfortunately, the, uh, the way most people learn that they learn the hard way. They try <laughs> oh, to get 100%. into, they try to get into property and they don't really know what they're doing. They don't get the yeah. best advice and they end up, you know, they, they learn a lot, but 
you'd wish you learned before you started doing that stuff. I think. And um, the thing is, uh, yeah, I think that uh, uh, it's same with running, right? When you're an athlete, you find a good coach to get to where you want to get to. If it's to set yourself up financially, do the same thing. Find a good financial coach or a, like a mortgage broker that can guide you and makes you skip the steps that they've kind of gone through. Yeah. And pro- your progression goes a lot quicker. And there is, there is so many podcasts around the property market. Like, um, what's what's a good one? Oh shit! I've got like four really good ones on my phone. But they're they're based all around Australia. Yeah, I could put we could put some links in the description. Yeah. But um, what what's the name of your business? And we'll we'll put that link in the description as well. Yeah, cool. So my business is called Sakura Finance. Yeah. You like this one? <laughs> <laughs> so the play on word is you you want your finances to blossom. What's a really beautiful blossom? A cherry blossom. And I found out looking up Sakura, which is a Japanese word for cherry blossom. Uh, the kanji works out that part of it is good and the other one is virtuous. So that's kind of ties into my brand and what I'm, that's awesome. Yeah, what I kind of believe in. Very good yeah. branding. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll put and the... if, if, if you don't understand, like most people, most Australians will be like, what? Sakura. <laughs> uh, the, uh, it, you could say in an Aussie way, it's a weird way to say secure. Secure. Uh, so we'll we'll put the links to that, all the socials for that in the description 100%. below. Um, Appreciate just to, it. Just to name a few, On Property Podcast, The Property Couch, and The Smart Property Investment Show. They're three really good ones that I, th- I found. I learned a lot the past couple of years. Cool. We'll, we'll chuck those links in. But man, really appreciate you coming on. We've gone a little bit over time, but we just had yeah. so much to talk to you about. <laughs> that was, that was <laughs> My great. pleasure, man. Awesome, awesome episode, bro. Um, I probably think we'll stay on after the show and we'll talk a little bit about my finances. How about that? <laughs> yeah, cool, man. I appreciate it. And can, can we find you somewhere else? Like, do you have like any Instagram or something like that? Yeah, so Facebook easy. Page. At Sean Rowe for Instagram. At Sean Rowe for Facebook fan page. Uh, you can find my private profile and add me. I'm more than happy to accept. Uh, for finance stuff, I've started a finance group called millennials and money uh so you can join that more than and i push out most of my good content in that first uh and then drip feed it to all my the rest of my other socials um and yeah that's a pretty much you can find me on linkedin but yeah that thing's a different beast (laughs) (laughs) all right all right thanks for joining us at home links in the description for the sponsors don't forget to check them out thanks for joining us see us